Welcome to the Sports Info Solutions Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Manicharian, joined today by James Weaver and Bryce Rossler from the Nerd Crew, and Nathan Cooper and Jeff Dean from the SIS Ops Department, specifically the scouting side of things. And today we are going through some of the SIS All-Americans. Each year, our scouting crew, they put together the top players at each position, first and second team, across all of the FBS. That's uh, what we cover, all 133 teams there, every game that they play, every snap that that is going on. These guys are watching it all year long. They're charting it, and they're also evaluating it. So without further ado, Coop, Jeff, tell us about the list. Tell us about, from a high level, where can people find the SIS All-American list and what goes into the process? Yeah, you could find our team on our website, sportsinfosolutions.com. Article title is 2023 SIS NCAA All-American Teams. Very clever by you. I know. We try to make it, we were trying to make it really unique and easy for people to kind of get to. But the way we choose our teams is pretty simple. We have our ops department who are the ones watching every game, evaluating the stats, also creating and monitoring the stats as we go through the season, select their teams in a tally form, and then we total them up and we kind of debate them once we get the tallies and try to place players on the first and second team, as well as some honorable mentions. Just real quick, we have 14 voters, is that right? That is correct. 14 voters and everybody put in their top player at each position or how, how deep did it go? It went two teams deep. So for quarterbacks, it was just two. You picked just two, first team and second team. And then for running backs, it'd be four because we had two on the off or two on the first team and two on the second. And if I had one vote as a first team quarterback and one vote as a second team quarterback, how do those count? So for our raw tallies, we kept them all the same. Basically, if you put a guy on the first or second team, they were worth the same. However, when we wanted to go a little deeper and we had ties and stuff like that, we looked at where people would put them as a first or second team. And we had a pretty good idea on the players that people were really consistently putting on the first team versus the second team and just barely made it. Okay, cool. So it's about whether or not you make the list, whether or not you're really like omitted from the ballot first, but then within that, you guys did some corrections there. The list is good. I like it. We're here today to talk about some of the more controversial aspects. So I'll kick it back over to you. Yeah, I think the one thing to keep in mind is that we use analytics to pick these teams. And now we have all watched college football. We understand who's great, who's not. This is not a list to determine who are the best NFL prospects or who are the players grabbing all the headlines. These are the players that we feel performed the best given everything else around them with our flagship stat total points. So we use that very heavily in a lot of our arguments as well as things like total points per snap. Because as you know, if you are super effective for 300 snaps compared to not as effective over 500, you're probably going to get not the total points that we're looking for, but the total points per snap will jump out. So we have definitely some players that we feel very confident that we agree with the vast majority of America that should be on the there. Like Jaden Daniels is our first team All-American quarterback. But one of the players that I think is interesting is Ollie Gordon out of Oklahoma State. So Ollie Gordon, we, we think is a great player overall. We put him on second team, so it's not like he was super far out of there. But as far as total points go, he was not that high. He gained 20 total points on the season compared to our top two running backs, which were 69 total points in 55. So he got less than a third of the total points. In other words, we just felt that his carries weren't as impactful as some of the other players. He didn't do the extraordinary as often as some of the other players. And part of that goes to the offensive line. 
part of that goes to the defense he was facing, and part of that just goes to the scheme. If you get a guy that many carries and that open of a scheme that quickly, he's going to rack up the yards. Yeah, and that's one of those things that, like, Ollie Gordon, like, obviously, Doak Walker Award winner, 1,600-plus yards, 20 touchdowns. We have to look at, you know, more than just total points. We have to look at kind of everything. We have to look at a little bit on the field, as on the film as well. And we just felt that while he didn't fit in that first team where we thought, you know, a Marion Hampton and Audrey Estime fit that first team a little bit better. These numbers are still pretty great. And fitting in on that second team is just more, more of a better spot for where Gordon fits. Makes sense. From the nerd perspective, a resident Oklahoman, Bryce, agree, disagree, don't care. I don't have any strong takes about Ollie Gordon. My exposure to him is completely limited to broadcast off the Bedlam game. If I recall correctly, he scored a couple touchdowns against them. He ran it like a million times. I don't remember being overly impressed or anything like that. And then from your perspective, James, does the, do the do the stats disagree Like with all of that volume and all of that production? From the volume perspective, yeah. I mean, Coop said the 1,600 yards, 20 touchdowns are definitely top three in, in tops and tops in FBS. The one thing that I found that he was a little lower on was his yards after contact per attempt. It was down like that 50 range. When you're looking at guys like Audrey Estime, who's built like built to run over people, it makes sense that on that that perspective to have Estime higher up with creating his own yards. So the big difference, what you're saying in terms of why there was that production for Gordon, but but not in terms of total points. It was a lot of stuff happening basically within the structure of the offense. It was it was there for him. He wasn't doing a lot after contact. Wasn't breaking a lot of tackles, and that matches the eye test, Jeff. Yeah, I think so. Again, when you watch a play, he's, he, he gets consistent chunks, but he's getting a lot of yards before the contact. When he is faced with a one-on-one in the open field, he's you know he's an above-average running back for sure, but he's not that elite. Audric Estimate and O'Marion Hampton for sure were two of the guys that kind of created their own yards. They were able to get more than expected on a lot of their carries or turn short gains into big gains. Nice. I love hearing you talk like a nerd. Who else? Anybody else on the offensive side that you guys wanted to go through? I know there are some defensive ones. Any any other big question marks? Obviously, Neighbors and Harrison at wide receiver. I don't think anybody's going to disagree there. Jaden Daniels. I heard he's he's skipping he's skipping the bowl game, huh? Yeah, he is. I that's the right decision for him. Bowl games aren't even a thing anymore. It's like it's really changed fast. Yeah, it's like another spring game. More practice, getting ready for next year. Yeah. I do think it's worth mentioning our tight end selection. I think most of us can definitely agree how great of a player Brock Bowers is. Overall, he was absolutely on pace to be our first team All-American, but he was a lot of the year. Yeah, and that's absolutely factors in. You know, your favorite favorite trait, best ability is availability. And so he ended up scoring, you know, pretty well, but he ended up with 25 total points and Ben Sonot was 40. He's been a SIS stun for for back-to-back years for us now. And so he was... A real solid selection for us, I believe. Yeah, not quite. He wasn't quite unanimous. Two two people left him off. They're all American board, but he got twelve of the fourteen votes to easily pace the tight ends. Right, you're talking about the the best ability is availability. I got from our, our holiday gift exchange. Andrew Andrew Oja got me the, this throwback Dolphins hat as well as this I don't know what T-shirt of Tyreek Hill and Tua. But I bring that up because my childhood Dolphins. They had Terran Armstead on the team all year. He just plays like every now and then whenever he feels like he's great when he plays. He plays every now and then when he feels like it. But I think it's become contagious on the offensive line because they're having like three, four offensive linemen out every week. And it's like rotating. It's not even like season long injuries most of the time. 
So yeah, Austin Jackson, the last one to go down. So I'm actually, I'm actually starting to think that just being around people that don't like being available is bad for your own availability. Anyway, I think Brock Bauer's pretty high in the draft. Yeah, they look both their stats. It's kind of it's pretty impressive with Bauer playing two less games. I mean, only three less targets, had more yards, same amount of touchdowns, but getting that participation in terms of blocking side of things for total points makes it makes it a little higher there. All right, let's flip it over and let's go to the defense. Big, big controversy amongst your first team edge players. Tell us about your decision there. Yeah, we decided to go with Adisa Isaac out of Penn State here. And I mean, whenever you look at the overall, you know, he led FBS defensive ends and total points per snap. So that's one of the biggest things, like Jeff has said, that we're looking for. Obviously, the total points numbers, when you're in total points per snap, you're at the top there. It's definitely a a, a big number. 10th and run defense per snap as well. So he kind of did it all across the board. Obviously, when you're looking at that Penn State defense, you see Adisa Isaac on one side, you see Chop Robinson on the other. Obviously, two very good and high, probably high NFL draft picks. Chop Robinson is probably a little bit higher on that spectrum. So again, you know, as Jeff mentioned, this isn't just the best guys and who's going to be the top NFL draft prospects, but who dominated in terms of what we're seeing on the film and what we're seeing in the metrics over this past season. And we felt like Isaac was that guy to get the first team nod. I noticed three JMU defensive linemen on the first and second teams. I, I had to like, I had to look a couple times and like rub my eyes a little bit. Are these guys all that legit? Yeah, James Madison had a heck of a defense. If you go back to last year, we had a couple guys off of Troy that was on the first and second team. That Troy defense was really good last year, and those guys actually came back, had another solid team this year. But yeah, that James Madison team, they were basically pushing. They were one win away from going to the conference championship, and they were basically pushing to get that nod for, for the group of five spot. So I think they really had a shot you know, if they could have won that game and knocked out Liberty there. But that, that defense was a, was a heck of a team, and they had some guys that, that really balled out. One of the things that makes their defensive line so great is how balanced they were against the run and the pass. They were both you know, great. I mean, Jalen Green, who was our second team, almost made our first team, had 15 and a half sacks on top of it. So even if you're playing for James Madison, that's not something you just accidentally do. That's a consistent pressure on the quarterback the entire season. His overall pressure numbers were through the roof too. And then their other guys were just all over the field. James Carpenter was all considered for a first teamer as well. They really got after the quarterback. They stopped the run. They played well. And to be honest, they played a lot of snaps, which does help in some of the total points. But when you look at the total points per snap, they didn't really drop that much either. That's why we feel very, very confident they were worthy of these selections. Oh, yeah. We could talk a whole lot about efficiency and volume and the relationships there, but safe to say these guys are all good. Also, really good. We want to shout out on the first team, Tavondre Sweat. Is he the best player on Texas right now? This dude, this dude's a monster. Yeah, he's, he's kind of that old school guy that fortunately got the love he should have got this postseason, right? You know, when you get a big run stuffing defensive tackle, you know, it's kind of hard for the country to appreciate him. So the fact that he was able to kind of really jump into the national spotlight was great. Those slouch up uh, on the pass rushing, I think that's one of the, the misconceptions about his game, right? He finished top 25 among FBS defensive tackles with 22 pressures too. So he does bring a little bit of heat, but he's definitely one of the most elite run defenders in the country, especially along the defensive line. All right, let's get off the ball and let's talk about it. There were two linebackers on the first team, Danny Stutzman, Bryce's boy. We can We can get his reaction there. And Peyton Wilson from NC State, which I think was more of the surprise. I mean, I don't know if I would say surprise. Like he was the big Narek Award winner. So that's definitely, you know, saying something. But I think 
whenever you talk about a guy, Peyton Wilson, like looking last year at NC State's defense, they had Isaiah Moore come out. They had Drake Thomas come out. And when you watch that defense, you could easily tell Peyton Wilson was by, you know, far and away their best linebacker, the most athletic linebacker, plays all over the field. And then obviously he showed that again this year. Again, winning the Bednarik, big, big reward there. And then, you know, 71 total points, seventh best among all FBS defenders. So really good number there. But what he does at the linebacker level is everything. He's, he's doing it in pass coverage. He's doing it in pass rushing. And he's doing it in run defense as well. So all of those total points numbers at each of those, you know, really stood out for us. Bryce, going back to Stutzman, what what do you got on Danny Stutzman? A little surprised he went back to school, actually. Pretty active defender for Oklahoma this year. Rangy, pretty good tackler. A lot of guys in college that are sort of the sideline to sideline guys tend to whip on a lot of tackles, but I thought he was pretty sound in that regard this year. Pretty decent in coverage. Again, I would I don't I don't know if he was like a first round or even second round guy necessarily, but just based on my casual viewing of him this year, I thought that he was at least good enough to be selected if he went in the draft. So his the fact that he's coming back to OU for another year is a little surprising to me. Yeah, classic college kid. He declared and then a week later decided to come back. So classic college kid, or in today's day and age, you could get paid more to come back to college than you can expect to make in the NFL if you're a mid to late round pick. I think I trying to not they're generally just not getting good advice across the board. No, wait, hold on. These kids have never gotten good devi- advice and they've never made good decisions. That's never, that's, that's the tale as old as time. But why somebody like this would go back? I mean, yeah, probably he had that, he probably had like a middle round grade, like a, like a second, third round grade from the committee, which they say you should only come out if you have a first round grade and everybody's like, screw you, I'm coming out until now. When it actually might be like, oh, wait, I did the future value, like, and this is actually more money and I can get drafted higher next year. So I don't know. I don't, maybe it does make sense to come out after a season, as you guys noted in the article, at least 10 total points in coverage against the run and rushing the passer, which is a pretty cool. We should have a club. That should be like a triple-double club. I feel like we can we can make that a thing for for linebackers. We, that's that's one of my favorite stats to use for everybody. I try to throw that in. When I, if I, anytime I find a guy that can get 10 points as a, in the coverage as a pass rusher and a run defender, I love that. Because that, that shows your value and balance, which is is great. And if they can rank in the top 10 per snap in each of those categories too, even better. It's a TPTD, a total points triple-double. All right, cool. Moving back to the secondary, let's hear about the selections there. What did you guys have that was... That was interesting on the back end. I see no surprise with uh, an Alabama and a Georgia corner. So what can you tell me? Yeah, I think you. while the teams may not be surprising, I think the players for the cornerback position might have been a little surprising. So again, this is talking about how they performed at the college level, not what we think of them as NFL prospects. Cooley and McKinstry was a lockdown corner for Alabama. Because of that, he was hardly ever targeted, which does impact his stats. When they decided to throw at him, it didn't go well, but he just did not have a lot of volume. On the other side, Terry and Arnold was also an elite cornerback, but he was also targeted a bunch, helped out in the run and in the pass, and it was really kind of all over the field, right? He ranked second among cornerbacks in pass defense total points and fourth in run defense total points. So his ability to kind of just be all over the field, still keep up his high-level coverage despite his high targets is not an easy thing to do in, in that defense, and so... We wanted to make sure we rewarded him for for the work he put in this year too. Yeah, and I think you could say the same thing, you know, with Georgia. Kamari Lassiter is probably their top corner, 
whenever you're looking at you know an actual draft prospect. But Tyke Smith played really well. And this this is the type of guy that in Georgia's defense, this is their nickel guy. Played a little outside, but the majority of his snaps, I believe over 400 snaps, were on the inside. So he's playing that that spot where you know he's producing not only in the pass game, but also in the run game, in coverage, even a little bit as a rusher as well. So seeing what he did this year, I think not only put him on this list for us, but definitely helped his draft stock as well. Yeah. When you have a, a quarterback rating under 30 when targeted, that's that's you know, better for the defense than than the quarterback just dropping back and spiking it. So that's always pretty good. What about the safety position? Anything interesting to report on there? Yeah, I think one of the least surprise selections across our entire board was Xavier Watts for Notre Dame. I think that the one of the other safeties, Dylan Dynaman for Purdue, is probably going to catch a lot of people by surprise. He was a true freshman that played at Purdue. So unless you are actively watching a lot of let's just call them less than stellar Purdue defensive games. You might not be familiar, but he was all over the field. Dylan Thineman has a very bright future ahead of him. His 45 pass defensive points were good for fourth, as I put. And I mean, in just basic stats, getting six picks as a true freshman is not easy to do, especially when a lot of times they weren't throwing at him. He was just a ball hawk that came over and made the play. He's a guy that has a bright future and definitely worthy of a first team selection on, from our point of view. From the statistical point of view, nerds, you got anything? Can you can you confirm or deny any of these selections? Yeah, I mean, Terry and Arnold, top three total points. Yeah, tops in EPA allowed and things like that. So definitely a, a good selection there. Excited to see what Thineman in the Big Ten will do going forward after his freshman season. All right. Well, it's been awesome having you, Jeff and Nathan. Anything else on the SIS All-America team? And, and then please remind the listeners where they can find it. Yeah, not too much else. Like you said, we put this up to a vote. You know, this is the most full-timers in the ops crew that we've had voting on this since we started doing this. So I think we had a pretty good, well-rounded selection process. And obviously all these guys are watching these guys every week. And then, you know, we didn't touch on the honorable mentions, but basically, you know, out of the 14 voters, if you got on three ballots, we were tossing you in the honorable mentions, or if you had some sort of injury that maybe you wouldn't have gotten off, it maybe be you would have gotten on there, but despite the, the injury you didn't, we tossed those guys on there as well. So yeah, we feel that the, these teams definitely reflect some of the better players in college this year and feel like these guys, obviously, you know, some of these guys will hear their name called early, you know, on draft night, but yeah, you know, moving forward throughout the rest of their careers as well. So yeah, you can check this out on our website at sportsinfosolutions.com and we have tons of graphics and, and tweets going out on Twitter as well. So definitely a fun process. Pretty interesting that the Georgia and Alabama corners that that made the first team are actually not the ones that that you guys think are the ones that'll have their names called first from their own teams coming out. So it, it probably says a little bit about where the lack of parity is in, in college football these days or something like that. I don't think it's that unique, though. I remember last year we didn't have Joy Porter on our first team and all of us, you know, were like, Joy Porter's a stud. That guy's going to be the best quarter. But Kalen King was the guy that actually kind of dominated the metrics. So we're start, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a pattern where, you know, the the guy that you're scaredest to, most scared to throw to is not the one that's probably going to end up with the most total points. You never know. Maybe it'll be factored in in our next total points update. Well, total points does factor in target suppression. The argument, I, I, I could understand the argument that it should be even more valued, but you get you get into an interesting sort of thing where if we really start trying to value that more than incompletions... It's a fun, it's a fun little game. It's a fun little game. Bryce and, and James can tell you about it because football is so interdependent. You're really damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
All right. Four. Nathan Cooper, Jeff Dean, Bryce Rossler, and James Weaver. I'm Matt Manicharian, and thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast. Podcast.